Welcome to the next episode of Please Don't Say Anything But, where I'll be chatting to people I've met in all different capacities in my life and asking them to expose their truth or anything they consider to be a vulnerability and to ask them to talk honestly about it. So this podcast is based on the model of peer support, where talking openly and honestly about something you've hidden or something you've maybe struggled with, the idea that that breeds connectivity with others who can then identify with you. So we're not looking to find the answer or solve anything. We're simply opening up the conversation or telling our story about our own truth through our own lived experiences. So I've known my guests since I was about 11 years old, and that's a long time, FYI. We first met at secondary school, and I think the only subject we ever put any effort into was drama. And through our time at school and doing our A-levels, we tried to recreate a Calvin Klein ad. We tried not to laugh out loud through performing a rendition of The Crucible. And we also converted a Ford Orion into Grease Lightning whilst I played Frenchie and my guests played Kanicki. We also used to spend a lot of time smoking cigarettes in my tiny Fiat Uno with the windows closed in the school car park. We worked together in a local hotel and golf club and we used to, and still do, hit the dance floor with rigour and passion wherever possible. My guest is one of those people that everyone likes and then eventually loves. He has a vast skill set and has had many jobs working in insurance, recruitment, fashion, mental health, but most recently he has developed a love for environmental sustainability and engineering. His career has taken him far and wide and this includes a short stint in Hong Kong. He also is one of the smartest people I know as he is in the final leg of his PhD. He always makes me happy no matter what. In fact, when we were at school, we had a pact that if neither of us had had children by the time we were 30, then we would instead use science to somehow grow our babies in a fish tank and raise them together. FYI, it it didn't happen. But nonetheless, please welcome one of my closest and dearest friends, Mr. Thomas Empson. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us on Please Don't Say Anything But. Uh, No worries. Thank you for having me. How are you doing, Christina? I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. Um, How are you? Very good. Yeah. (laughs) So before we start, and in the spirit of inclusivity, can you please tell us how you choose to identify? Yeah, I had a little think about this. I would say I'm a single gay dyslexic 40 year old and I do want listeners to know that those things don't always come together um but yeah I I guess we all identify ourselves by our otherness but um yeah that's how I identify I guess on face value I'm a white man but that's not necessarily who I get up and think I am every day sure brilliant okay well thank you for that Tom And also, before we go into the detail of why you're here and what you want to discuss today, um, what we'd love to know is a little bit more about you. So in a nutshell, can you tell us what your story is? Um, I guess I'm just a bit of an average guy, really. So um, Welsh by birth, conceived under a Christmas day. Hang on, conceived under a Christmas tree on Christmas 
his own account, um, which I found out from my mum once upon a time. Um, both my parents are from East Ham, so I've got, uh, you know, that London foundation of an accent. But yeah, grew up in Essex predominantly. That's where I did all of my studies. Um, I guess school was more of a, a place to cut my craft of socialising as opposed to be an, an academic. Um, and then, yeah, since university, sorry, since school, I worked for a few years, then ended up going to university after a, a little trip around Australia, doing a bit of soul searching, working out what I wanted to do with my life. And then I realised that, yeah, I needed to go and learn to be creative. Uh, eventually went to Central St Martins um, and I did a degree there. And it was the first time at the age of 23 I was ever allowed to be creative and um, understand culture, social references and, yeah, be creative. So that's that's me in a nutshell. And then today I am someone who's about three months off finishing a PhD which looks at sustainability um, and what the engineering community can be doing to slow down our impact on the planet um, and lecture as well alongside that. So, yeah, that, that's me in a nutshell. Brilliant. OK, thanks, Tom. And obviously, um, as our listeners know, I've known you, known you for a very long time and there's a lot in between all of that as well. But that may come up as as as, as we start to talk. Yeah. So, without further ado, can you tell us what it is that you want to share with us today? Yeah. So, Christina, please don't say anything. But I am dyslexic. So, Tom, can you briefly explain to us what dyslexia is and how it manifests for you? So, obviously, to be clear, I'm I'm not an expert in dyslexia sure. but as someone who has lived with it and if anyone or lives with it or is it um if anyone asks me to explain what dyslexia is I always say it's more of a superpower than a hindrance because I think a lot of the time we focus on the negative and we are it's seen as an issue um in its simplest terms the brain just requires more time to process some things um but on the other hand it requires less time to process other things so um i guess i can sometimes struggle with simple things like finding the right word to say in writing or in a sentence on its credits i can sometimes see problems that other colleagues can't and come up mm. with solutions to really big strategic problems. So you, you definitely have a, um, a tangential outlook as opposed to a linear outlook. So yeah, it definitely has its strengths and we often to focus on the weaknesses too, too frequent. Okay, that's, that's a really interesting perspective and take on it. And when were you diagnosed and, and how? Yeah, so that did come quite late in life. I was 35. Um, I was doing my MA at Goldsmiths at the time. Um, I'd always suspected I had. My mum had always suspected that I was dyslexic. Um, I can remember, you know, very early at school having to read books out loud and saying the wrong word and everyone in the classroom finding that hilarious and me not being in on the joke. Um 
but yeah, so that it, it came quite late in life. Um, and then another time we might talk about this more a little bit later, but another time where it really come to the forefront, I was working, just graduated from university, working in my first office job. And I was really struggling to be able to articulate ideas in a in a structured paper format that my bosses would want. And, right. and I was very lucky that I rung access to work and said just how much I was struggling in being right. able to communicate. And I, 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 I presume I just got a, a good person on a good day and they got me the support that someone with dyslexia would have. And it completely transformed my career. I was suddenly then able to put forward ideas um, yeah, in, in papers that got approved and, and yeah, so it, it was kind of mildly diagnosed then without the paperwork, but officially diagnosed at the age of 35. And who are access to work? Um, I think they're government funded. They, mm -hmm. and I don't know if they still exist, that, that I'm talking about support that I got in 2008. Um, but I just went onto the internet and said, you know, struggling at work or I can't even remember what I typed in but through a little bit of research found access to work and they offer funding and software to support people so highly recommend right. anyone listening to this go and go and see if they're still around and and if they can offer any help. Great and so having looked into dyslexia a little bit more um, with this this podcast so from what I understand one in ten people in the UK have some sort of form of dyslexia. So that's a lot higher than I was expecting. So can you tell us, I guess, what, what this has meant for you and the type of kind of impact the condition has on you phys physically and mentally? I mean, you've already talked about how it affects your articulation, um, but, but what has that meant for you with your late diagnosis and being laughed at at school? How has it impacted you in, in that way? So I guess you don't ever, you can never know what life would have been like if you had the support that you needed. So I didn't do very well in my GCSEs. I didn't do very well in my A-levels. I wrote myself off as being someone that had any academic ability at all um, at that the age of 18 so when everyone else was going off to university I said to myself no just get a job and some money um so I don't I know that that's built up some insecurities within me um but I've I think I've since got over those um I did often feel thick um like examples which are hilarious now but I always thought it was called the specific ocean and when someone pulled me up and went, do you not mean the Pacific Ocean? You you just feel like a bit of a, a wally, but because you're almost hearing things in a different way, um, you, yeah, you get your words muddled up. Um, so I feel that there's there are times when I'll be sitting in important meetings and I say the wrong word and that may come across to someone as I'm uneducated or ill-informed but I've just said the wrong word at the wrong time and it's not the word that I meant um once it was diagnosed and I got the support then 
I sort of really come on leaps and bounds in my academic footing. So I got a really good qualification. Um, the masters that I got from Goldsmiths, I would not be able to be performing as high as doing a PhD if if I didn't have some assistive software that's available. Some of that's free off the internet that people can get. Some of that stuff that's given from, um, again, through the government funding. Um, so, yeah. Very ignorantly, there seems to be a common error made by many that dyslexia can be mistaken for someone being disruptive or labelled as stupid. I um, I found a story, actually, on a site called dyslexiclogic.com. Um, the person wasn't identified, uh, only as she, and she had written. The first question the assessor asked me was whether I had difficulties learning to read. I told him I was an avid reader from a young age. He said he didn't think I was dyslexic. My heart sank. If I wasn't dyslexic, maybe I really was just stupid. He then did all the assessments and it came out as moderately to severely dyslexic. I was so relieved. Is this something that you can relate to, Tom? Yeah, so when you do the actual test to kind of prove your... Well, not prove... When you're being tested to identify if you've got dyslexia or not, you do like an IQ test, which is very visual, and then they look at your reading and writing ability to basically see if they're marrying up. And what you find with dyslexic people is they do have a really high IQ, but we're not necessarily always able to articulate that. Um, so I don't identify as an avid reader at all, um, despite doing a PhD and having to read loads. Um, I feel like I can sell my ideas verbally very easily and to a very big audience because yeah my real struggle is when I start to ask my brain to articulate that through words on a page and that's where I really come unstuck and I can't always find the word that I want and I'll get caught up in individual sentences and um punctuation and things like that and you you kind of almost lose the flow and momentum so I'm very much experiencing that now um, in the final days of my PhD when I want to put an argument together and you're kind of getting lost. Um, but yeah, no, I think that it is, it's a very common thing from other peers that I've spoken to who are dyslexic that you, you can feel stupid in not being able to articulate what it is that you want to say in the form that's requested of you. Um, so yeah, I totally, I, I can relate to that. So just really, if you have ever felt stupid and how that's maybe sort yeah. of stuck to you or, or, or whether there are certain situations that will make you nervous because of that, that feeling potentially coming back. Yeah, no, no, no. So I think that, that yeah, if, if I have to get up in front of a big crowd, there is still that 11 year old inside me who read out loud and, and got things wrong. Um I, you know, like my career is working in marketing and copywriting and I love words and through struggling with them, I feel like I've found an art form of carving words and sentences. But if someone else looks through it, all my tenses are off. Um, so I've written some things that are supposed to be past, some things that are supposed to be present and then they'll all be jumbled up together. 
because what I'm doing is trying to craft the perfect sentence. But then when you read back over it, you miss all of those. So if you're sending a real common, sorry, if you're sending, doing a, a common task as sending an email to colleagues and they spot a spelling mistake, uh, yeah, I, I think that you feel that they're, they think less of you. Right. Okay. And I, and I would say most people have heard of dyslexia mm -hmm. and a lot of those most people know roughly what it is. Um, it's obviously not life-threatening. Um, I don't think it's progressive. Um, you're shaking your head there. No, <laughs> it's not progressive. But do you feel, um, because it doesn't fit into those types of categories, do you feel that you are given the support you need and that it is taken seriously? It's, it's another one of these hidden things, isn't it? So if someone's got, um, suffers from stress, anxiety, um, well-being, um, it, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a visual label that people see. Um, I, in an academic setting, I do constantly feel like I have to explain and defend myself. So when sometimes when I've got to write a long paper, I, I kind of compare it to someone with a physical disability who's had to run a marathon. They, that's, that's gonna have impacted their body a lot more I would presume and I feel that that because it's internal and it's not seen people don't necessarily give it um the don't have enough awareness of it and kind of take understand that so on a very simple level if you were to go into an exam and you have dyslexia you're given 25 minutes extra that's sort of a recognized thing as a lecturer who may have 50 to 80 students in a cohort, you're not given any extra time to do that marking. And that's, there's so much more volume with that. Um, and I don't necessarily always think that more time is the right way. It's just having different formats. So I will often give students feedback in an audio file and they get more from it and I can give them more through that format so it's a it's sometimes just going yeah what are there are there other ways and means that we can get around this um yeah is that why you send voice notes instead always right i've only just realized that <laughs> if so if i want to send a simple text message i will i can get so many typos in that and you spend more time re-editing it, redrafting it, kind of going back over. And you can send a voice, voice note in 30 seconds and you're done and dusted. So yeah, my whole life is voice notes to people. And I, again, I think it's a coping strategy that you learn as you go along, work to your strengths and don't focus on your weaknesses. Mm. There are some circumstances where the system has not changed yet. If, if, if there was a way of academia being more open to it, not just being the written format, I, th I think that so many more po people would be able to contribute to the knowledge economy and we are missing out on those voices and thoughts and um, research abilities because we are 
putting up barriers that don't need to be there. Absolutely. And do you tell people about it like like in a, a a workplace situation for example or where you've got a new bunch of students do you, is this something information that you offer at front or or as and when needed or is it confidential i i don't wear it as a badge as such so i don't um announce it before i've had a meaningful conversation with an individual um i when lecturing i i i think that there's there's always a place to let your students know that if anyone's struggling they can come to you because you understand what they're going through um and a a, peer, a colleague who may not be dyslexic may not be able to to get on that same level and understand and give the right advice so i do do it there um i yeah, I don't tell people too often, um, but if the moment arises and it's important for people to know, I do like to educate people um, sure. and very much along that lines of if we see it and understand it as a superpower, we will we'll be able to help individuals get the most um, as opposed to just focusing on the negatives and the can't do's. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's Greta Thornburg who has Asperger's and she calls it a superpower as well. She says, if, if, if we can um, make the most of people who can see the world differently, we might not have as many problems as we have now. Moving on to coping strategies. And just to remind you, Tom, we're, we're not looking for answers here. We're not looking for anybody to fix this or solve this. But um, you mentioned about voice notes and how you use that. And I can't believe it's taken this long and in this moment, in this conversation that I've, I've realised why you do that so often. I honestly thought it's because you're one of the busiest people I know and you're always on the go. Um, but are there any other techniques or even kind of rituals or mindsets that you adapt to help yourself cope um, with dyslexia? Yeah, there are. Um, it's been trial and error. Um, I guess on a like an attitude basis, I have to tell myself a lot not to beat myself up. Um, things take longer, so let them take longer. Um, so that's definitely something that I've had to work on a lot, and especially more recently. Um, I definitely think it's about focusing on the strengths. So if you are a tangential thinker and you see bigger pictures and can focus your efforts on those, then you'll understand the superpower of being dyslexic as opposed to focusing on the bits that you can't do. Um, like day-to-day -day tricks. So yeah, voice notes on a lot of things. Um, there's the notes function in your phone and you can hit the little microphone and it types out what you're saying. That's a godsend. Um, because again, it um, your phone doesn't do typos, it gets the words right. Um, I listen to a lot of white noise. Uh, I 
that scene in a film when noises are really amplified is my day-to-day -day life. So if I'm in an open plan office and the person next to you is tapping loudly, it's all consuming and you can't hear anything else that's going on. So I have to have earphones and listen to white noise. So I just can't hear anything and can just concentrate. Um, and then there's a lot of technology out there. So if anyone's really looking uh, for support, there's assisted technology that can help you do mind mapping. So again, if I'm ever gonna write a chapter or if I'm gonna write a business idea or something that's longer than a few pages, I would mind map it. So I've got an idea of what's my beginning, middle and end, and then you start padding that out because yeah sometimes you can lose track of what it is that you're trying to say um i'm sure there's a million and one other <laughs> but they're, they're they're definitely the ones that come to mind yeah. yeah yeah great and i guess my final question is just to ask really how does it feel to talk about this and and kind of share it out loud it's amazing to talk about it in this setting because you're you're just talking about it. You're not having to defend why you are it in other settings where you feel like you have to. So um, if anyone was to listen to this and just have a little bit of peace of mind that they're not the only one going through it, that's amazing. If someone was to listen to this and say, maybe I am, you know, some of the things Tom's described, maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to go and, see if I can get some support or help out there, then that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have to like talking about it when it's an excuse for things that I can't do. And just to say, this is me and this is who I am is, is very liberating. Um, so yeah, I hope it's a benefit to other people. Um, and just in, I don't think you have to be dyslexic to get something out of this if you know someone who is and they're sending you voice notes or there's typos in their text message or email just have a little bit more empathy with them and um know that it's just it's part of them tom i'm afraid we are out of time but thank you so much um for sharing all of this i can't believe in all these years that i've known you We've never had a conversation like this um, and, and, and on this topic as well. So thanks again. Um, you're an absolute legend, Tom. Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing and um, we'll speak soon. We, do. we will do. Thank you, Christina. Take care. So that was the incredible Thomas Empson. I found that conversation really uplifting and I also learned a lot, but I just loved his positive approach and his positive outlook on dyslexia and living with the condition. I also loved how he talked about the knowledge economy and how it can be enhanced and made richer if we break down some of those unnecessary barriers that are there and step away and outside from the written word and how that this will be much more inclusive in terms of the voices that we can hear. Um, I also learned that I will, from now on, only be sending voice notes to Tom. Never a text message again, never a WhatsApp message that's written. So we've started the conversation. Let's keep it going. Can you relate to Tom? 
you or anybody that you know also have dyslexia and is there any story that you would like to share? If so, please email me at please don't say anything but at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at please don't say anything but. Let's share some resources and support each other as we keep this conversation going. Thank you.